Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself. Mike Surratt. Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. Baby Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. Cross over, I might throw the hell of you. But they sleeping on me while they take them back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Catch me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Also, read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. Uh, join with me as my co-host, Corley, B-O-C, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Wednesday, December 8th, and um, we'll get right into it. Um, basically, PC coming off the Maui. They have a game on Saturday against, or this past Saturday against F, uh, FDU. But um, basically, you know, not not the Maui Invitational that we were hoping for, that's for certain. Yeah. Um... Hey, it's better than last year's uh, showing in the Thanksgiving tournament. So I guess we're making progress. Um, but yeah, you're right. One and two. And, you know, looking at the Davidson game, probably should have been 0 and 3, but we held on there. Um, and of the two losses, two blowout losses to teams that are probably uh, inside the bubble, but by no means NCAA tournament locks. So, um, wasn't a great showing, uh, and I think we have a, a lot to get figured out in a short amount of time with this COVID-shortened season. So I'm, um, I'm probably a little bit more worried than the average fan. Um, but, but we can't we can't continue to rely on like the late season push from Cooley, which he's become known for with his teams, because we just won't, don't have as many games, nor do we have enough time, and the season could get cut short um, at a moment's notice. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Um... I, I don't think you're alone. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I heard plenty of people going nuts, uh, you know, during the Maui and then um, even in the first half of uh, Saturday's game versus FDU. Um, you know, it's definitely frustrating. Um, but uh, if you want to look at it, half a glass quarter full, I guess, uh, you know, they avoided any bad losses. But I mean, in the two games versus teams where, you know, it should be a, at least an even playing field, PC just gets run out of the gym uh, against against Indiana and then in the last game against Alabama. And then, you know, it, it doesn't help either that the Davidson game, that they, they squeak it out and, yeah. you know, barely get the win. Um, you know, Davidson has a chance uh, to steal the game from PC with the final shot, but, you know, Fortunately, that, that, that doesn't go, but, um, you know, a lot of themes to talk about, um, you know, over those three games and then kind of bled into the, the FDU game. Um, I guess we'll just start right, right out with it. I mean, the three point shooting is just, 
so so bad. Yeah, I was I was looking up the stats for the season uh, prior to recording this. The team three points shooting percentage is twenty percent, um, and historically we haven't been that great of a three point shooting team. So unfortunately, it's no surprise. Um, but what's what's concerning is. Um, Bynum uh, is shooting 0% from three. And it's not like you and I were talking about it. It's not like it's like Nate Watson who threw up a three-pointer with one second left on the shot clock. He's shot 14 threes uh, in the season so far, and he's made zero. Um, and I think I'll have to – I'll look at this up in a second, but I think he was known as a pretty good shooter at St. Joe's. So it could yeah, just I'm pretty be- sure he was around 33 34%, which isn't great. But, I mean, as a freshman, I think that's a pretty darn good start. Certainly better than zero. Uh, yeah, him and A.J. Reeves have just been god-awful from three. Um, you know, Reeves is, is, is what, 17% from three? Yeah, he's, I, 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 yeah I think you, you rounded up, but I had him at 16%. Um, yeah. And Reeves, like, you know, if, if he's not making threes, you, you question his value on, on the court. Um, he's such a big body, 6'6 shooting guard, has all the athletic skill that appears. Um, so I personally would like Cooley to start having him run offensive sets for Reeves from uh, foul line in, uh, because most of the people guarding him are not going to be as big or as tall as him. So he can get some easy buckets and see the ball go through the hoop. And then hopefully that'll translate to making some shots from deep. Um because if you're just running three-point sets for him, clearly right now it, it might be a mental thing. It's just not working. I know he has a nagging ankle injury, so that could be affecting him as well. But make his life a little bit easier. Um, and I think that's on the coaching staff, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it, something's definitely up. Like either mechanics, injury, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he he does a lot of these like catch and then like fake and step back threes. And, you know that's good and great. That's what the guys do in the NBA. And I mean, you've seen it, see it a ton now in college basketball too, but like, you know, his footwork just seems way off and like, and like, uh, it's really tough because like you're watching him play and like the FDU game the other day, he has that pass that like went off the side of the backboard. Like he just can't seem to do anything right at this point. So I was admittedly, I was having uh, a few cocktails and I saw that entry pass into the post and I was like, did I just, I, I must have seen that incorrectly. Like you can't make a pass into the post and hit the backboard. Like how does that happen? And sure enough, it did. But like also in the, Ma- in the Maui, he had a couple turnovers and you wrote, you wrote a piece about this um, themes moving forward. It's like there was one play where he had a nice turnover and he picked a pass off and then he just throws it to the other team. So like he's, you tell like he's maybe thinking too much instead of just acting. And that's what you want an athlete like him to do. Just act on his athletic ability and trust himself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I was saying that like literally every game in the Maui, they had an instance where they uh, would get a turnover and then instantly give it right back to the team. And AJ Reeves probably did it twice, uh, two or three times, maybe. Um, and the, like in the FDU game, they did something similar where they got a turnover, at least got it into the, half, into the other side of the court before turning it over again. But like, oh my God, it's maddening. And especially with a team that's struggling shooting so much, like you want those those moments in transition where you know they can be a deadly team in transition. I mean, you know, 
Duke and, and Bynum, they pay, play with speed and, and good pace. Um, you know, Bynum's shown a little bit that, that he has that ability to find guys on lobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, like transitions, their best friend in terms of offense at this point, at least until they can figure out um, shoot like three point shooting. Um, or, you know, maybe a, we're kind of talking about this, maybe just take less threes. I mean, they're kind of like in the upper teens, it seems like every game. Uh, and when you're shooting, the percentage of shooting, uh, it's not, not a recipe yeah. for success by any means. No, it's a, it's a good point. I think, I think there's a lot to be said about the half court offensive sets uh, under Cooley and the desire to be more like free flowing, like a Creighton in Alabama. Obviously, easier said than done, right? I think everybody can admit that. That's what you want to be on an offensive end. Um, but if we can't get there uh, for whatever reason, philosophical reasons on the offensive end, um, one of the positives, we talked a little bit about negatives of three-point shooting. One of the positives is Nate Watson's looked absolutely incredible on the offensive end to start the season. Um, he's our leading scorer, and he is not only our leading scorer, but he's incredibly efficient thus far i think looking at stats i think he's averaging something his free field goal percentage is something like 63 percent yeah i just looked it up 63 percent um so not only is he producing but he's producing at an efficient level so if our three-point shooting is not working i'm of the belief of when we're in half court sets this this isn't hyperbole either i think he should be getting a touch every single offensive set um because he's converting at a really high level and it's going to come to a point where teams are going to double him and potentially even triple him. And that's where we're going to get open looks for our shooters. And you just got to hope that they knock down these open looks because they're going to be there. Um, especially if we just continue, if teams continue to focus their defensive efforts on Watson. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely becoming an unstoppable force uh, in the paint. Um, like any, like either he pulls you over or, you know, he's always there for like the, the you know, the back, the, the cut slam there. Um, you know, it, it, like he, he'll either pull you over or like if you play good defense against him, he's shown great touch around the rim. Like it's ridiculous. And on top of that, his, his uh, uh, mid-range game is a huge revelation uh, for Nate Watson. And that's only going to make him better. Yeah, he that was that was um, one of the most pleasant surprises thus far of the season is his ability because I think we always knew back to the basket big he can make that power step and make uh, make it over both shirt, shoulders which is impressive in and of itself but now he's knocking down those mid range shots with a lot of consistency um, so yeah he's just been a really positive development for this team and I'm excited to see him continue to progress because I think the big step he's taking now is he's always had the physical, the physical attributes. Now, mentally, I think he's realizing how great he can be. Um, and that he's a big dude. He's six ten. He's built. That's going to have an effect on the court. Almost like um, he can almost be a better version of Tyreek Jones last year from Xavier. Yeah. I, I know you love Tyreek Jones, but uh, no, for sure. Um, you know, going back to like the offense sets, I mean, obviously they don't run flex like every single possession, obviously, but um, that's the, you know, well, really quick. That's the, like the biggest thing on message boards is they're yeah. like, we need to get out of the flex offense. And the funny thing is like, they maybe only run a flex set. They run more of the weave at the top of the key, but they run, they run the flex offense maybe like three or four times a game at most. 
And every single time we get like a really good look out of it. I know. It, but, but the one thing I would say about like maybe against it would be like, it, it causes a lot of like traffic in the middle yep. of the court. And like, uh, you know, nowadays the way the game is just going, uh, you see it in the NBA and now it's starting to trickle in college is like, you know, it, it's a lot of pace and space um, and hitting threes. And uh, so, I mean, I guess that's a bit of a criticism for that, but I mean, you're right. I, like there was that, there was that play. They had a play. I don't know if they were running the flex this morning, but like they got, they had a, they called timeout. They came out of timeout. They got whatever action they ran. They got a great look for AJ Reeves is wide open and he absolutely bricks it. And Cooley's just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> is that, was that the play where he just like threw his hands down? Cause he like yeah, bricked it off yeah. the side of the backboard or something. Yeah. I guess Reeves like, has- like I, I don't know. Like, I can't put the ball in the basket for you, AJ. Like you gotta figure it out. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I would just like to see them run more pick and roll. And you saw that a little bit against FDU, and hopefully, maybe that's something we see more of. I mean, I know that they tried it once. There's one play that came to mind where they where they did pick and roll, and Bynum found uh, Watson on a beautiful pass. And of course, yeah. the one time Watson screws up this season, he just fumbles the pass. It's like, oh, maybe that's why we don't run pick and roll. But honestly, like, kind of going back to your point, like, if we weren't run pick and roll, all of a sudden you're going to have guys, like, you know, following the roll man and Nate, and then that should leave other guys wide open to take threes. And, I mean, it's amazing. Like, we always have known that we're not a great three-point shooting team, but it's never been this bad. And I, I expect it to correct itself. Like, it has to. Like, there's no other other way around it. Like, Reeves, I mean, we know we can shoot three. Like, we, we've seen it. Like, that's what's so frustrating. It's like we've seen the type of three-pointers A.J. Reeves can make. And yeah. um, he just can't hit. Like you just can't hit anything. Um, and then, you know, Bynum, 0-14, I think it's both in their heads for sure. And, like, you look at Bynum, like, he's missing – he's, like, front-ending free throws on, on yeah. the one-on-one. Like, totally, totally – they're both of them are just in their own heads, I think. And I think hopefully, eventually, that will correct itself and they can start getting back to making baskets because, you know, if they do – like, I think we can be a very dangerous offense. We have plenty of weapons. Um, it's just a matter of making shots. Uh, we have always, it's cliche about basketball. That's like make or miss. But uh, I mean, honestly, like that's what it is. Like if, if they're missing shots, it, it really just, you know, takes them out of sync out of everything. Um, you know, another thing that, that we had talked about um you know, going into this would be rebounding. They're getting crushed on the boards. They only average like 34 a game. And, um, you know, it, it's funny, like all these other teams jack up threes and miss threes, yet the ball seems to always bounce right to them. Well, uh, that might be a box out problem on our, on our part. Yeah, I think, you know, that brings up, I don't, I don't, it brings up another thing with the Maui. I don't, I don't mind seeing my teams lose to a better team or just a, more well-coached team or that team had a better day. The thing that like really bothers me is when not only is my team getting beat, uh, but they're getting out hustled. Uh, the team, the other team just wants it more. 
and it felt like I don't know what it is with these like pre Big East uh, conference these tournaments. It's they just seem to go through the motions, and you want to see your team make a name for itself, especially at games that are on national stage like ESPN. It's like we're we're going if you know if the season goes well and we get through the entire Big East season going to look back and like be on the bubble again it's like oh why are we on the bubbles like because we got our doors blown off on national tv by indiana and alabama like it's not a good look and that's what like the biggest frustration for me with maui what wasn't wasn't the losses because i I can live with that it was just it seemed like there wasn't the traditional intensity defensive effort and just overall hustle from coolies from a team from teams that commonly have that under cooley and that was like the biggest warning sign to me yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not trying to use this as an excuse for them, but honestly, they, they were gassed. Like, th- there's no other way around it. I, I think I think the opener against Indiana and to get really punched in the teeth uh, by their bigs and just thrown around by, the, by, uh, by Trace Jackson Davis and those guys, I, I think it took its toll. Um, and you're playing three games in three days. I know these guys are young guys. Um, I, I know they're well-conditioned athletes. But, I mean, you couldn't help but notice they were gassed because Cooley played a ton of zone against Alabama. Like, why is he playing zone? Because it's the third game uh, in a row, three games in three days, and, you know, like, for a team that can shoot threes, like, we played – we just allowed them to shoot threes by going zone. We were gassed. We had to. Didn't didn't Alabama play three games in three days? They did. Yep. Didn't everybody else that played in the Maui play three games in three days? Yes. It's, okay. I hate, I hate that excuse. Like these kids, these kids are high D one athletes. Like they should be in good shape. And to me, that, to me, that doesn't fly. Like you either want it or you don't. And it seemed like they just didn't want it. I, that, that's totally fair, but I, I'm looking at guys, hands on their hips, huffing and puffing. You got Bynum, uh, Bynum and Reeves missing free throws, like down the stretch against Davidson. It, it's, Oh, you just got the sense that they were just overwhelmed with everything. Um, Get on the focus machine. I know. I know. We got to bust out the focus machine. But, um, I mean, I I guess we can talk about a a bright spot uh, would be David Duke. Um, He ends up having an all Maui uh, tournament performance. Um, It was pretty funny. I was listening to, like, Tyson Tate, and they were at the Maui, and they were kind of going through everything. PC didn't get much airtime, deservedly so. Uh, deservedly so, but um, you know they were saying like, you know, Duke kind of made the made the all tournament team. It was like really a head scratcher. But then like you look at his stats and he had he had pretty good games and you kind of can't argue with his stats. But like, uh, but Duke is is definitely going to be that star that that we're going to need. Um, you know, I thought against FDU he was excellent. Um, has a game high 28 points. Um, and right now he's your only guy that you can consistently get three pointers to fall for right now. He's at 39%, but he missed all three of his attempts against FDU. So he was higher than that, but he's a capable shooter, um, uh, for sure. And I, what's encouraging to me is you saw him, you kind of wish he did this in the Maui. But you saw him against FDU at least be like, all right, we're we're um, we're tied uh, or like whatever the score was. 
up to or whatever, but uh, we're, it's a close game against FDU after the first half. Like something's got to change. And I thought he was more aggressive. And I thought that was a huge lift to the team that was struggling to find offense. And then once they, once they developed that double digit lead, they were pretty much able to kind of just coast their way uh, the rest of the way, um, get, getting a 12 point win over FDU. But I mean, Duke is definitely gonna be a star this year for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about Watson. We talked, and I agree with you about everything with Duke. Um, we talked about Watson. We talked about Duke. And it, it comes to another theme of ours five games in is in order for this team to make the tournament and potentially meet the expectations of this team prior to the season starting, um, we need a third option to emerge. And I think seemingly, you know, whether it's due to recruiting rankings coming out of high school or just even Cooley himself, um, we all thought it was going to be Reeves. Uh, and that just hasn't been the case thus far. And willing to belabor the point, but I think what we saw in the FDU game and uh, throughout the Maui was the trust in Greg Gant. So he potentially can become that third option. Um, and that wouldn't be a bad thing. He is extremely athletic. He's a very versatile defender. I think against FDU, he put up something like nine, seven, and five. So he clearly is a well-rounded player. Um, and if, you know, while it takes time for Reeves and Bynum to kick in, Dan can do a lot of the, you know, the dirty work that getting those tough rebounds, um, making the defensive play for a bucket, things like that. And, um, it's nice to see Gant's development. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on Greg Gant as the season progresses. I think he's still a little bit limited offensively, but he can just use his athletic ability to manufacture points and do all the things that aren't um, related to scoring, like getting those rebounds, getting the assists, getting blocks, getting steals. So I think he's potentially emerging as a third option. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, very nice. Very nice season for him so far uh, in his sophomore year. Um, he's only averaging six or five points a game, but um, he, he has been relatively efficient. Uh, he's shooting 50% on the nose from the floor. Um, so that's good. Um, I, I do think like he probably doesn't, it's interesting. Like he doesn't take many shots right now at all. Mm -hmm. So like it's, it's whether like, is he not confident in himself or does he feel like, you know, as a sophomore, maybe he shouldn't be taking the looks. I think a big moment in the FDU game was when he had that nice hand one Duke immediately grabbed him. I don't know what he said to him, but like, it seemed like he was giving him encouragement. Like, dude, like you, come on, you can do this clearly. Like, come on, like we need more of this production. Um, so, I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, obviously the, leading candidates going into the year were Reeves and then probably Bynum. And clearly both of them have really struggled offensively um, this season. I mean, maybe it's just one of those cases where the third guy can be someone new every day. They haven't really gotten that, like where it's like, you know, getting a really good night from that third option. But like, if you rotate between Reeves, Bynum, and, and Gant having a good game, that's really all you need. It's got to be yeah. one of them. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Gantz definitely shown something for sure. Um, you know, three point shot, he, he's shooting 30% from three, not really his game, but he, he's taken a, 
you know, a handful of them this year and has had seen some success. I mean, he has three games um, of the five that we've played where he's hit a three. So not, not bad, but um, it, I don't know, it'll be interesting. I, I think, I think ultimately it's going to have to be one of those things where it's one of them stepping up every night, but one of them has to step up. I mean, that's really yep. what it comes down to. Um, it's frustrating because like, if you look back when we had done and we had Bentel, right? Those guys carried us and they were awesome and it was great. But like, we didn't have nearly the talent around them as the talent that we have around Duke and in, 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 uh, Watson right now. So it was just really frustrating to see all the guys just not stepping up to the plate. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that third option is important um, for sure. I, I, as of now, nobody's shown me enough, but I think get def, definite positives from Gant, absolutely. Um, yep. I guess we'll stick along the positive vibes, I guess, uh, would be some of the surprises. Um, I guess we'll start with the big one. Alan Breed uh, comes in at garbage time against Alabama, where you know Alabama comes out in the second half, drains their first six three-pointers, and what was even though as poorly PC was playing, they were still relatively in the game. And then the game just gets out of hand and they're down 20 something. And then he comes in and he helps fuel a big run to make it interesting. And then Alabama just ends up hitting threes. Uh, I think they hit two back to back late in the game, which pretty much put it out of reach. Um, but Alan Breed, man, I, I think Cooley definitely found a good one. Um, you know, I don't know how, how good he can be all year long. I know we saw people saying hashtag start Alan Breed. I don't know if I agree with that, but you got like what you saw and he was rewarded for that great performance against Alabama. And it was good again against Fairleigh Dickinson. So. Yeah. I, um, I completely agree with you and I, I'll be the first to eat crow here and say so far, I mean, granted we're only five games in, but so far I was, that wrong on Breed coming in. I, I always, I didn't think he was going to contribute much. Um, you know, maybe at best he'd be a bit player in his uh, junior and senior year. And I just look completely foolish there. He, uh, he looks, he looked fantastic against Alabama and he followed that one. The thing I taking a step back, the thing that I loved about him is he was aggressive and with a team that it was going through the motions or it appeared as much Breed looked like he wanted time on the court and I know this sounds so silly to say but it's true like he looked like he wanted to be there and when he got his opportunity he jumped jumped all over it and sure enough we started off slow against FEU and Breed comes in and offense you know some sometimes there's just these innate things the offense just seems to flow better with him in the game he seems confident which is really rare as a freshman um so Really ple- pleasant surprise. I think at a minimum, he should be one of the first off the bench for the backcourt. Um, and most importantly, he just looks like he belongs. Uh, yeah. he's a, I remember the first game, uh, the first game of the season, my impression of him was, wow, he's, he's taller and he, he's bigger than I thought he would be. Um, and it's nice to see those physical skills translate to on the court stuff because he clearly belongs uh, at the Big East level, and I'm so happy to be incorrect there. Um, so I'm excited to see, I'm ex- I'm excited to see him continue to develop um, because he also has that really nice mid range game. We don't he can he hits he hit that floater a couple times, 
And it's not like he's just attempting a ton of threes, which uh, is something that Bynum probably needs to work on a bit. So Breed seems to have a complete game, and I'm really excited about him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, if we're in the mode of calling ourselves out, I will, because in our text group, I texted you like, I have a feeling he might be good. I wrote about it. So then I went back to the tape. I went through the blogs. I could not find <laughs> the said posts where I claimed that uh, he might be uh, a pleasant surprise. But what I will say is, and I've, I don't want to go through the Twitter because I you know, tweet way too much. That would take forever. But um, the, the one thing about him, when we got him, I had no idea who the guy was. I'll be honest. Like, it, not, I'm sure not many of us did. It was kind of a weird situation because it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like Legend Gear where like, you know, this guy was deciding and like, you're like, oh, the Friars are going to be the favorites to land him. No, like, he's com- I, it was my brother's wedding. And like, I remember being like, Alan Bree can miss the PC. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Like, I didn't even know we were targeting him. But um, the one thing that that I that he has um, in his career is that in high school and then when he went to prep at IMG last year, he's played on loaded teams, and I think that's one of the reasons why he wasn't as highly rated coming out of uh, uh, high school than the prep level, um, because he's playing with so many other stars and you know the 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 head coaches of college basketball of the world, they're traveling there not to see him. They're traveling to see the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we, like you said, like he belongs. He, he, it, that, I think that's the reason why. Like he's played with like star players and he just knows how to play. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're playing, you know, IMG always has a handful of five stars. He, so he's probably played in his career at IMG with a couple guys that, you know, over the past even two or three years have gone on to the NBA are five stars and starting at high caliber programs. So maybe to him stepping on a big East court, some may not be, it may be a downgraded talent. Honestly, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but like he's played with a lot of really talented players. So it's not, you know, his eyes aren't wide. His eyes aren't wide. There's like Uh, been there, done that. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like that was the, that was like his comfort level for a freshman was, was really very, very like impressive in my opinion for sure um you know I, I think like he doesn't force things either like there's one play where like he was gonna drive and then he saw a man shift over and he just pulls it out all right like let, let's see what else we got here um so yeah i think a lot of i'm not ready to anoint him the starter yet i want to see bynum figure it out because I, I i do i do like some things from bynum obviously he hasn't hit a three this year but I do like his ability to, um, you know, get to the hole. And right now his assist numbers are low, but a few of the games he's really good dishing the ball. So you know he can, you know, um, facilitate the offense. Um, It's just a matter of other guys, one, other guys hitting shots, and then him hitting shots, which is only going to make him more dangerous. But So I'm not ready to start Breed, but I I think a lot of positives. From Alan Breed for sure. Yeah, and a quick thing on the assist numbers, um, like the chicken or the egg, right? Like he only has three point six assists, and you're like, is that on Bynum or is he finding the open guys and they're just not making shots? And exemplified by the three point numbers, um, it's probably a little bit of both. I think he could probably do a little bit better job distributing, but he is finding guys and they're not hitting shots. So hopefully, 
you know, we revert to the mean a bit with three-point shooting and just shooting in general, uh, and those assist numbers will go up. So, yeah, I agree with you. Keep riding Bynum. Um, he's been he's been with the program for – he had, you know, he had a redshirt year, um, and now he's, you know, in his second year with Providence program. I, I don't think it would be wise, both in the short term and long term, to put Breed over Bynum uh, in the starting lineup. But uh, he's – Breed has certainly just earned – his minutes and you need to keep playing him because good things happen when he's on the court. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I guess we'll wrap up this segment here by talking about the last guy that surprised um, Jimmy Nichols. Um, yep. Did he miss games in the Maui or did he miss the whole Maui? No, he, I think he, I think he played against Alabama, Bama, Bama, if I recall, but he did miss it the first couple games and we were wondering what the heck was going on. Um, but he did play against Bama, um, and he obviously played against Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah, so, I mean, against FDU, uh, a real pleasant surprise. Um, you know, he, he was able – I thought he was – he was the reason why you're probably not losing at the end of the first half against against uh, FDU. Um, yeah. I thought he brought great energy. Um you know, his ability to, to alter shots. Um, and he gave you some offense too, which he hasn't really done consistently in his career here at PC. Uh, granted, injuries have, have hampered that. But, um, you know, I think he gave them great energy for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. I think he adds a different dimension on the defensive end. Uh, he has length probably on like anybody on our team at the present moment. Um so he, he'll be able to alter shots defensively and get some rebounds. Uh, he, looked, he looked good against uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. He looked good against Alabama. Um, we'll see what happens with him. We need, we, need, we need players to earn their minutes. And Nichols putting some pressure on some folks like Orchler and Monroe uh, and Croswell, that's a good thing. You you want the you want them you know iron sharpens iron kind of kind of thing and you want these players in practice to be pushing each other and if you're not producing in the game pull them pull, do what Cooley did at the start of the FDU game pull them and put players in and make these players earn their minutes so the breed and Nichols thing I think everybody's been kind of waiting on Nichols waiting for that potential to translate to production maybe we get there um, but it's nice to see him push for minutes because it's going to help the others uh fine-tune their game yeah i mean i i think the one thing with jimmy nichols that you know i don't love is that it just kind of seems like his court awareness he, he kind of just seems to just like go out there and like not even think what you said would be a good thing for AJ, aj reeves to do um you know it seems like he relies all on athleticism and length and really not much on like you know um knowing the offense, knowing where, where he should be positioned on defense. Hopefully that will come, though, with, with more reps and more time uh, in the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he just makes me nervous because he's just, like, all over the place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like th- that was my thing with Gant. I, I mean, in that uh, Indiana game, I thought Gant was just so bad defensively. And Cooley raved about, you know, how he's going to be an all-conference defender – and like, and it's it wasn't out of lack of effort. Like Gant's flying around too, 
but he, but he was, it just seemed like he was constantly out of position. Um, since then, I, I think, I don't know what the coaching staff said to him or maybe he, you know, watched some tape. I was like, Oh, I, I just got to correct this. Um, but he's been a lot better defensively for sure. Um, and so like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like the thing with Nichols is he's just flying all around the court. And I, I don't know if, you know, it just doesn't look clean, <laughs> but, uh, but hey, it's I'll like, it's like, um, it's like, uh, a, a baby deer that's all legs and like trying to get their footing right. under them. And he, like, you get like his, his dimensions are incredible. He just needs to put it all together. And, you know, maybe he's still getting used to throwing into his body. You know, he is still a college student. Um, people develop at different rates. So we'll see. But um, let me ask you this. Well, before we get into the TCU game, what you sticking with the same starting five that, that has been. So you're sticking with, Duke, Reeves, Bynum, Gant, Watson. Do you want to change that up at all? What do you think? I mean, me personally, I've said I wanted, and now I may go back on, on what I'm saying because I'll get to it in a moment. But the starting lap I wanted was the starting lap that everyone thought would would maybe be the starting lap going into this thing. And that was Watson, Horschler, um, uh, yeah, Reeves, Duke, and Bynum. Um, I would like to see that, but I, I have noticed like Horschler's having to defend some of these athletic guys at the four and like switching and everything. And he's really, again, not out of lack of effort. He looks like he's really exerting himself out there, but he's finding himself getting like blown by and like really having to work on the defensive end. But I mean, the reason why I say I want that lineup is because we're just getting crushed in rebounds and you know, we haven't played – it seems like we're rotating the bigs, all three of them. And I would like to try and find a way to get both of them on the court at the same time because, like, right now uh, – do you think he's our leading rebounder, Orgler? He is. I mean, it's – let me pull that up. I think he's at, like, 5.8 rebounds a game. Give me a second. Yeah, Duke's at, like, 5.5, I think. Yeah, so – Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, Horkler's Hortler, – I think it's Horkler. I keep saying it wrong. It's 5.8 rebounds a game. He's leading. Um, then it's Watson and Duke. Yeah. Tied for second with 5.2, which is awesome for Duke, but that's no surprise given his athleticism and size. Yeah, I mean, Duke, we know how good of a defender he is. We know he's going to get rebounds and chip in on the category. But, I mean, like, like Watson's – that's the one thing that Watson just got fixed. Like – and, and his and his and his defensive ability too, I would say. He needs to pick it up a little on day. Yeah, I, but I think he's improved that area for sure. sure. You see him not getting into foul trouble as much, trying to defend with verticality. Um, you know, I, I see improvements on that, but obviously, yeah, for sure. But like if you can dominate the paint on offense, why can't you dominate the paint and grab rebounds? Like, come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, but hey, dude, dude, if you were to say Watson finishes the season with 19 points and five rebounds, I think you would sign up for that all day. Yeah, I would. I would. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, they got to find rebounding from other people then, though. Like, I agree. So let me – can I ask you another thing? Um, let me ask you another quick thing. Would you – Wait, wait, wait. Before you do, yeah. who would you like as, as your five? So 
I think I think we need to ride out. I think we need to ride out the starting five. I was after that Indiana game. I was kind of pushing for Horkler to go in for Gant, but I think Gant. You need to you need to ride with him, especially because he's going to be around the program for another two years. Um, and he's coming along, and he adds a lot to defense, which obviously Horkler is struggling a bit, uh, which is fine because it's a level up in competition um, from where he was playing. Um, so I, I would stick with the same starting five. Uh, my my question to you, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, is there any chance that in order to get the offense to flow better um, and maybe create better opportunities, you put in this might be sound crazy, but put in Breed for Reeves and have like a three guard lineup, and then you have Gannon Watson. It scares me that. I mean, it Reeves scares you that that it scares you that that's not a too far fetched of an idea. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know. I, I just, I, know, I feel like you can kind of pick on it. But, and yeah, and maybe that's why you need Gant in there because defensively, like, I, I get, I'd be worried about defense. I mean, for I, sure. I, I, we haven't seen Breed enough on defense to know what he's going to bring to the table from that uh, perspective. Um, you know, and I think Bynum's a, pretty good defender but he's smaller so like you know when you have bigger guards they're going to take advantage that's just the way it works but um what was your second question no that was that was it uh i was i was curious if i I was curious i was curious if uh you thought that was too crazy of an idea and the fact that no but the fact it's so funny the fact that like i i can propose that question to you and if you were to hear that question before the season started, you'd be like, what, what are, you know, are you, are you drinking? What drugs are you on? Like, why would we ever take out Reeves for breed? But it just shows how uh, odd this, odd this season has gone so far. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully Reeves get his, gets his uh, mojo back and he can start uh, banging threes. Yeah. I mean, like, what do they say about shooters? They just got to keep shooting. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, in the FDU game, they were, they were like talking about cats and Infanta were talking about that as AJ's like jacking up three after three after three, but what kind of like when you were, what you said earlier, like you want to see him attacking the basket more against Alabama. He actually did that and scored 10 points. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely a mess and they got to figure out, you know, how to survive this this last game here against TCU of the non-conference. Although can they get another one or no? I mean, they, it seems it seems like coaches are just doing whatever they can to get games. Like Jay Wright and Villanova just decided to stay for an extra day or two just to play against uh V Tech. Uh so it seems right. like it seems like folks are just doing whatever they can, which is pretty cool. Um, I must yeah, say. BC was supposed to play URI twice and then was like, eh, we don't want to play a second time. We'll play Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it is a wacky season. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so obviously as of now, one game left uh, in the non-conference schedule, it's TCU. And we will get to that game preview when we return after this quick message from Anchor. All right. Welcome back to the Bronze Cryer podcast. Um, we're just going to wrap up here by, um, previewing PC's upcoming game. They got, they're going to Fort Wayne um, on Wednesday. I believe they actually are leaving today or yeah, but um, they got TCU a part of the Big East Big 12 challenge. Um, You know, I've actually, 
I've been doing, I mentioned this uh, in our last pod, but I've been starting writing for this fantasy website for, for daily fantasy for, um, for, uh, for college basketball. And so I'm getting a better sense of, of other guys around the country. And uh, I've learned about TCU's Kevin Samuel and the guy is an absolute monster uh, in the paint. Um, he had a game the other day where he had 16 points, 18 rebounds. Um, he, uh, he led the big 12 in blocks last year. I believe he was like 11th in the country in blocks. Um, he's a really imposing big man and BLC. I mean, the way that we got tossed around by Indiana, you would really hope the big boys can kind of punch back in this one. Yeah. So, so the Indiana comp is interesting because uh, TJD on Indiana, Trey Jackson Davis, actually didn't have too big of a game, but it was his counterpart who was uh, did really well at the forward position, Race Thompson. Um, but, yeah, looking at this guy's stats, unreal. He's averaging a little under 12 rebounds a game, averaging two and a half blocks a game. Um, and I like seeing guys who know their role. He has – he hasn't uh, – he's clearly a traditional big man. He hasn't attempted a single three. So um, not only is he able to grab boards, but he seems to be very athletic with the blocks. So Watson's going to have his hands full, and um, it seems like he's been up against some really good front courts to start the season. So he gets another test uh, going up against TCU. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, um, th- that guy from Indiana, I, I, like, I stumbled upon the article – that was like, uh, that was like, finally like race Thompson like arrives at Indiana. <laughs> like uh, apparently like the Indiana fans have like been like hating on this kid, <laughs> uh, waiting for him to finally have a big game. And of course he does against PC career high that talk about themes. I feel like that always seems to happen with the Friars, but, um, but yeah, you know, Nate Watson, um, Orkler and, and, um, Big Ed Crosswell, they're going to have their hands full with him. Um, you know, on top of that, it's very interesting. They shoot a ton of threes, um, even though they have uh, Samuel, who's a back-to-the-basket big man. Um, they shoot like 20-something threes per game like Alabama. And, you know, we saw how that turned out for us. But, like, you all saw it. Like, in the first half, like, Alabama missed so many threes that like how we just got in rebounds and like were somewhat efficient on offense. Um, that game could have been a lot, lot closer. We could have even been winning. Who knows? Uh, but so like, you know, got to defend the perimeter. That That's going to be their number one test though, for sure as a team, because uh, defensively they haven't, they've looked defensively. I feel like they've looked good, like very, very good in spots and in horrendous sometimes. And, that's another thing that's frustrating, but, um, you know, they're going to have to rotate. I, I bet with, you know, the time off that they've had, we'll probably play a lot more man. I'll yeah. be interested to see what Cooley does, but, um, you know, they got to run them off the line and then, you know, not get crushed on the offensive class. I think you hit the nail on the head on the last point. It's, um, you know, they are shooting a ton of threes, which means that's part of their offensive set, right? So you don't want, um, you don't want them to get hot. Uh, their three-point shooting percentage is pretty abysmal right now, but 
wall averages like we've talked about. Um, can't give them open looks because like Alabama, they'll end up crushing us on that. So do what you just said, play tight defense and run them off the three-point line. Make them hit a shot in the paint. Make them hit a nice two-point jump shot. See if they can do that. Like I'm, I'm sick of the, the guy gets a ball up at the three-point line or beyond the three-point line and they put like a defender puts the fake hand up but doesn't doesn't go and actually play defense. He just puts his hand up and the guy just buries a three. Run them off the three-point line, put pressure on them and make them make something in the in the paint. So hopefully they do that. And um, hopefully Watson stays out of foul trouble against uh, Samuel. So I think uh, they were preseason what ninth in the Big 12. I think I think I think that I think that was probably um, a, a miss by the uh, the coaches of the Big 12. They seem to be putting together an okay, better than okay team. Um, so Friars are going to have their hands full and they need to be ready to play another, you know, televised game. They need to, they need this type of win uh, for their tournament bid. Yeah, for sure. Weird tip time for this one. It's going to be 5 p.m. Eastern Standard on Wednesday. It'll be on ESPNU. Um, so get ready for that one. I'll probably take a break from work and then go back to work. But uh, I'm definitely going to be watching for sure. But um, with TCU, I mean, although Samuel's such a beast getting rebounds, as a team, they are, they're better than us, but they're not great. They get like 39 a game, which puts them at like 105 or like 109 in the country. Um, so they really rely on Samuel to get all of their rebounds. Like literally, like the guy averages 11.8. Next highest guy – um, is the other forward Chuck O'Bannon? He gets like 5.6, but like you look at their scores, not getting much rebounding production from those guys. So, um, it's a solid rebounding team, but it's not, it's not one that should, should be able to crush PC on the glass like they've been getting crushed by some teams. Um, you know, another guy from them, RJ Nemhart, he's actually their leading scorer. Um, He's no relation to uh, the Nemhart that is was on Florida that we saw last year. Now he's on Gonzaga, um, or his brother that that's uh, commit to to Creighton. But RJ Nemhart, um, junior from Keller, Texas. Yeah, he, he like I said, team leader in scoring, fifteen point eight a game. Um, you know, he's not shooting it that efficiently. Thirty five percent from the floor overall. Um, 21.1% from three. So uh, it seems like he's, you know, taking a lot of the volume of the shooting. Um, it, it just comes back to like, this game definitely scares me because it's, it's, you know, last year we went to Northwestern and they were a bomb the barrel team too. And, um, you know, they end up being the Friars and they end up being terrible. Now this TCU team projected to finish ninth, you know, Maybe it was an oversight, but at the same time, maybe that league is just that stacked. Uh, the Big 12 is really good. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that gets me nervous because, like, I think they are a better team than people think. But at the same time, you know, they could be very bad in the Big 12 and have a bad record. So it's like one of those situations where, like, it would really just be a nice change for us to go into a, a major conference uh, – opponent's arena and, and pull out the win. Um, I think we are better than this team, but this TCU team is good and definitely better than that Northwestern team that we saw last year. So um, PC will have their hands full. Um, 
you know, I, I'm just hoping. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to think of the game. What, what life, life, life as a Friars fan, you just you don't, don't know. You can't ever have a level of confidence or optimism like I personally had going into Maui, and then you just get absolutely throttled. Um, you know, it's a Jamie Dix. It's a Jamie Dixon still the coach there, right? Nothing. Oh, yeah. yeah, Jamie Dixon coach team. So you know they're going to be that like kind of that blue collar tough um, type of team. Um, so, you know, the scoring, this, this might be like a 58, 55 type game, honestly. Um, it's going to be a lot of misses. I think maybe yeah, that's the only scoring. Scoring is going to be tough to come by. There will uh, be misses in this game. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a fact. We could be playing nobody and there would be misses in the game. Um, it'll be a tough game. We'll see. We need, we need to get a win here and keep momentum going into uh biggies opener on Saturday. Um, so we'll see it's a, if you can control Samuel as much as you can, he's going to get his rebound. He's going to get a couple blocks. He's going to get some points um, and run this team off the three point line, play some tough defense. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I like where we stand. Yeah. And I, I mean, Samuel um, in their opener against Oklahoma, I believe that was on um, Sunday. Uh, they lose by four to Oklahoma at home. So once again, I, I always hate playing a team coming off a loss, but here we are. Um, but, you know, Samuel didn't have a good offensive game that game. He only had four points. Um, if you know Oklahoma, Brady Manick, uh, he's their big, big man. Um, so he probably stymied him a bit. Um, you know, hopefully Nate Watson's up to the task for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, if they can win this game, I don't think the non-conference is a failure, even, even though the Maui performance – because like I said, like I, I said this in the, the pod that we had to open the season, like as long as I can avoid the bad loss, they should be fine. So like, if you look at this now, they've avoided the bad loss, but TCU could be a bad loss depending on how the big 12 shakes out. Um, but like, if you win this game, you end non-conference with a four and two record, not ideal, but no yeah. loss. That's going to be like, well, PC lost to this team. Although on the flip side, you never know how the tournament selection is going to be like viewed this year. Like, is it going to be like, well, they lost to this team, but they got their doors blown off and like they had another chance and they got their doors blown off. But honestly, like if they can come out this game with a win, I think all in all, you'll take the non-conference. Honestly. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. That's a very rational take. Um, Nope. You know, no disagreements there. I would say the one caveat is we're going to lose those two games to Bama and Indiana. You don't want them to get uh, the doors blown off like they did. Um, but that's that's in the past, so hopefully they get the win here, go into Biggie's play, 4-2. and two. Yeah, so then uh, on Saturday, they'll get Xavier at home and alumni. Um, I think that – is that one at, like, 4.30? It's – I want to say that's it's – That's Saturday, so at least it's – Let's see. I have it on my calendar here. I think it's at 6.30. 6.30, okay. But, uh, yeah, so th- th- they'll open up Big East play against Xavier, um, barring any sort of last-minute ad for what Because I do think they might have a spot for one more game if they want it. I, I doubt they'll squeeze one in between now and Saturday. But maybe yeah. it's something where, like, they'll throw it in, like, late in the season. Maybe they'll uh... – since they're down there, they'll go play, they'll go play uh, Texas. 
Yeah, like, like they'll pull a um, BYU Coastal Carolina in yeah. college football, just schedule a game because they, they know they need it. But, uh, you know, for the resume. But any uh, final thoughts? I, I do have one. What? Yeah, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear this final thought. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, uh, so today, well, Saturday being the Farley Dickinson game, um, was the same day as the Battle of the Ocean State. Uh, PCURI obviously gets canceled this year, um, you know, and after the Fairleigh Dickinson game, Kevin McNamara, which, you know, I saw some people kind of giving him crap for asking the question. I think it's a fair question considering that was the day the game was supposed to be, and then we replaced that game with Fairleigh Dickinson. So I don't think it was out of line, and, like, Cooley had, like, a, you know, he got a little bit hot in his answer, but I don't think he was like that mad about the question, but he, he basically went on to say, you know, PC is going to do what's good for PC, no matter like, he's always going to do that period. Um, in that, you know, it's a good game on the schedule. He likes the game, but this year they just couldn't get it in. And, uh, and, um, you know, the, the, the poignant part he said was, you know, the Big East, the biggest championship doesn't run through Kingston. It runs through the Big East. So I think he's dead on. But, of course, today and, like, you know, after the, like throughout the weekend and then today especially, people come out of the woodwork, like, still crying, like, on the URI side, still crying about this. And Jim Donaldson of the Projo is just, like, going on and on. He's, like, he's getting into it with me. He's getting into it with a couple other Fire fans. Like, like He's just going nuts, like, like being like, oh, PC dodged this game. Like, like they were too afraid to play, and, like, they should have played it, and they should have beat them. And it's like, okay, well, like, you're saying we're afraid, yet you're saying we have a better team than them. I, I don't know what you're doing. But, like, it's just uh, – I'm just so sick of the, the crying and the belly aching from, one, URI fans, and then, two, on Saturday, everyone's, like, freaking out about the game in the first half. Like, oh, my God, like, how can we be tied to this team? Like, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm just like, guys, like you ever watch college basketball? Like this shit happens sometimes. And like, obviously you wanted PC to, you know, revenge, avenge the Maui by blowing the doors off of um, FDU. But at the same time, I, I wasn't totally shocked that there was a hangover. Um, yeah. But so, I mean, the crying between our fans and then now your eyes fans just constantly crying about this game. It's like, like, and the funniest part was they're crying about the game, and then it's announced today that URI is going to be play, uh, playing, traveling to Wisconsin, who just came off a buzzer being lost to Marquette, actually. Yeah. By the way, Marquette actually looks pretty good, a lot better than I thought. Um, but URI will play at, um, at Wisconsin. I believe they have another game that they're going to try and play. But, like, like, just let it go. It's over. Like, PC didn't duck URI. If any, if PC ducked anyone, it's Brown. All right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If you want to say we ducked an opponent, we canceled the game with Brown because we we're losing the game at home. Like, yeah. We ducked Brown. This case is a different situation. It's all about the fact that non-conference gets cut in half. Uh, you don't have as many games, and you gotta have buy games on the schedule. It doesn't make sense if you're playing in a conference like the Big East, where I, I don't know if this still stands now, but. For a, a few games in the season, every team's a top 100 Kempom team. It does not make sense for them to, to, you know, have the URI game this year. So that's why we canceled it. Like, in a regular season, they're going to play four, 
like buy games, right? Yeah, no, I, dude, I, I hear you. Um, I think scheduling out a conference, especially in a season like this one that's been shortened, is really delicate. So you want to have those tough games, which, you know, we, for better or worse, we had with in Maui. Then you also need to schedule some games, like some cupcake games, where you can get your wins, um, get your team in a rhythm, get some get some bench players minutes, which we have. To me, you know, so I, I grew up I grew up in Jersey. Uh, I went to obviously I went to Providence. Um, prior to going to Providence, I didn't think I never I never thought of PCURI. So to me, this is like I could care less that we we don't play this game. I know I'm in probably um i'm not in the majority i think a lot of people that live in rhode island care a lot about this rivalry but i would argue that majority of folks that went to pc who didn't grow up in rhode island don't really care about this game at all um and besides besides that point it's really a no-win type game for us for the most part um if we lose to them it's like it's a bad loss on our resume if we win against them, it's like, okay, we did what we were supposed to do. There's no upside. Maybe there's like those maybe once every 10 years where they have a really hot team that may flirt with the top 25 and it ends up becoming a good, a good game on the resume. But those, those are, those things are few and far between. So I have no issues with not playing this year. I don't think, I think it's, we're beating a dead horse here. I think we should just move on and just be thankful that we're even playing basketball. It's just, just a waste of time, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, do you want the game next year? <laughs> I, I like to fit with the to fit with the theme of what I what I just said. I don't I don't care. <laughs> yeah, okay. And that's well, probably going to bother. That's probably going to bother a lot of P- URI fans and maybe even some PC fans. But I, I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll say as a guy from Massachusetts. I mean, um, even being from Massachusetts, you didn't really. I didn't really know much about the rivalry until actually going to PC. Um, but I mean, it is a game I enjoy for sure. Like I, I've gone probably to every PC URI game at the dunk since I've attended college. Uh, and then I've been a, at a handful at the Ryan center as well. Um, unfortunately I've seen a few losses at the Ryan center, but um, you know, I, I think it's a good game. It's a fun game. I, I think it's an underrated rivalry. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if there's one thing um you can maybe be disappointed about as from a Friar fan perspective for canceling this game would maybe in a COVID season, you can kind of really showcase type of game it's been lately, which has been pretty damn competitive. Um, certainly Cox is, you know, started with Hurley obviously, but certainly Cox is riding, riding that wave and continuing to have success at your eye. But like, it just wasn't in the cars this year. I'm just oh, like, over. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and you all know. the points, all the points you just made, completely fair. Great rivalry. Um, when we do play, you know, it seems like the whole state of Rhode Island is really passionate about it. So I, I hear you on that completely. It's always nice to have rivalry games, but again, there's no, no. Yeah. The environment is what makes it, in my opinion, and there's no fans in the at the game, so it's like. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's all I got. I, I just needed to go on that rant today because, like. People this weekend and then today are just bugging the crap out of me. But uh, we can we can DM, we can DM this um, this podcast over to Donaldson and see him just blow a gasket. <laughs> he takes everything so like him and, and Coke like really take a lot of things like two to heart. Like he's like 
replying to, like Bluff City Friar was like <laughs> like yelling at him and like he's like he's like you're a clown and it's like relax dude like you're a journalist like obviously like you know you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to go and call the guy a clown like why, why are you getting so upset but uh but yeah that's all I got but um you know expect some stuff on the blog in the next couple days um We'll get a preview article out there for TCU. We'll probably definitely have a post-game article about that. And then yep. jump into the East play over the weekend. But um, that is it for now. Uh, signing off. So long, Firetown. Thanks, guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about the hoop, Crossover, I might go to L.A.U. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah